Hi, I'm BJ Council, founder of UN50. As a retired police officer and executive, this job led me to my life's purpose. I served humans experiencing varying levels of crisis, trying to get jobs, housing, educational needs, health care, but due to personal barriers or overworked systems, these humans aren't able to obtain life's simple goal of just being stable. I believe if basic human needs are met, the need for law enforcement interactions are lessened. Uh, welcome back to UN50. Really appreciate everybody rejoining us. This is BJ Council of UN50. We are, uh, I am out of uh, Durham, North Carolina, the Bull City. And UN50, my name is BJ Council. And we started this business back in 2015. And what UN50 does is teach individuals, primarily black and brown folks, how to safely interact with law enforcement. Uh, and we also have discussions that are not necessarily to deal with law enforcement. We talk about things surrounding that because what we're trying to do is lessen people's interactions with law enforcement as well as survive uh, law enforcement uh, interaction. But today what we're doing, we're adding a new uh, segment that we're gonna do. We don't know how frequently we're gonna do it, but this is, this is our inaugural um, of your questions, your power. And uh, if you've seen our podcast a few podcasts ago, you've been introduced to uh, Kelly Childress and Finesse uh, Moreno Rivera. Rivera, sorry, Finesse. Uh, and they are criminologists, sociologists, and did I mess that up, Finesse? Forensic psychology, but that's okay. You know what? I'll take it. And that's what they do. So what we when we met the first time to talk a lot, we, we kicked it off. And then also the fact that data is important and in, in the work that I'm doing. One of the things that I, I wanted to do is talk about is help people. One of the things that we start why it's called your questions, your power is we want to help you with what questions to ask of your leaders in your community, especially as it relates to law enforcement. Because we feel like if you know what questions to ask, that entails lets the individuals who lead your community and law enforcement know you have some idea of what you need in order to get the law enforcement uh, service that you need. So what we're gonna be doing with this, hopefully, is giving you some questions and insight. We'll still be talking about law enforcement and some interactions and things like that, but we'll also be highlighting um, things that we want to hopefully help you navigate those conversations. Uh, so what I'm going to do first is let Finesse and Kelly introduce themselves again briefly, uh, and then we'll kind of get into what we hope this will be for you. Uh, those of you hopefully that will come back for this segment that we hopefully will do, you know, two or three, four more times throughout the course of the year. So uh, Finesse, I'm going to let you go first. Sure. Thanks for having me back, BJ. It was a, always a pleasure being with Kelly as well. Our last podcast together was a lot of fun. Um, so I am Finesse Marino Rivera. I have a master's in forensic psychology. Uh, my expertise relies, or excuse me, lies in um, criminal justice reform, specifically looking at public policy as well as data analytics. Um, as of recently, I have started my own company, CJ Solutions. CJ standing for crime, excuse me, criminal justice. And this is specifically, um, or the, the, the company's specific aim is to help communities and organizations 
and any type of criminal justice reform um, that they're looking to um, undertake. So that's a little bit about me. Thanks for that. Kelly? Hi, my name is Kelly Childress, um, and I am a sociologist slash criminologist. Um, I graduated from UNCG Greensboro with my master's in sociology. Um, and I'm just really excited about the work, and I've done a, a multitude of different um, career avenues. I've worked with the homeless population, and we know that a lot of those people are justice involved. And currently, I'm working with the same population, um, but helping them navigate the job force. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And, and so one of the first thing I want us to do, uh, and, I'll, and I'll start since, um, as to what we want to hopefully accomplish here. Uh, I think I mentioned in the beginning is to help you figure out what kind of questions and how to ask, ask those questions, which may be related to data. Because one of the things in law enforcement is that it's all about the numbers. And the police departments across the country, kind of their performance is based on reducing crime. But then there's also some other data that they you, if they're not tracking, you as a community can ask. I will also be doing and still talking about incidents occasionally, uh, but mainly just how to help you ask those questions and let you know that you can ask your police department. I think Finesse said something uh, in the last podcast that people, even though the incident with George Floyd happened and questions are being asked, still people don't realize that's that's the power that they have because they didn't realize they had it or know how to use it. And we want to kind of take that into an, another level and do that. And then also for me, uh, I am a boomer and these two women are considerably younger than I am. Uh, and so what I'm hoping this journey will do is help to keep my mind fresh as to what's going on that is a little different now in this century and in this moment and this climate from their perspective. So those of you that may be boomers as I am to remember that these individuals who are Gen Z's and millennials, and I think they're calling them Generation Alpha, uh, have things to offer. We need to listen. Uh, I have been in the system and it's probably time for me to sit in the back seat and maybe now and then go, you might not want to take that left turn right there because I've been in the system for a while. But they drive these discussions. And for me, it's learning and being able to absorb that. And it's just not this way anymore, that there's another way to get this stuff done. So this is what I'm hoping to accomplish uh, when we do this. So, Finesse, you want to talk about what you would ha hopefully we're going to ho hopefully accomplish with this program? Sure. So I think that the last time, you know, that you I and Kelly got together, we were really talking about what's going on in Mississippi. So I think that's going to be something that we'll be discussing and the importance of the legislation that was passed. So that really got us talking about the importance of black people voting. So I really wanna talk about kind of the history of it and where we are today with that. Um, and just how, um, how much power our voice truly has and how threatening it truly is to our political infrastructure, even to this day. But then I also wanna, you know, pivot to the other part of the legislation that was also part of that package for Mississippi about what they're doing with their crime um, and looking at their Capitol Police. Um, but then kind of really talking about how we can start using data a little bit more. Instead of just the legislation looking at how the Capitol Police can expand their territory, really taking crime and looking at it in a multifaceted way. Because no matter how many police you have on the ground, they're still not getting at the root cause. So those are definitely two things that I want to talk about today is, well, just Mississippi. So <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that's something that I definitely wanted to, wanted to hone in on. And I know that 
BJ, you had sent over a little bit about St. Louis as well. That's kind of um, on the same path as that. So that's definitely something I think that is worth discussing. So just to, and that's what we're going to probably hit on today, but kind of tell me for us just an overall what you want, hopefully we can accomplish as we move and do these series. What I'm hoping that we can accomplish is being able to share information that is practical, but it's also applicable. So you can take what we're talking about and then immediately turn around and go apply that to your local police department or your local organizations or also get yourself involved as well to make a change. So that's what I'm hoping that we can continue to do to open up this discussion because maybe you realize that your thing isn't data analytics, but you can still take this information back to somebody within the organization and realize, hey, we have a task force here. Are we collecting data? What can we do with data? You know, why is this important? So that's what really I would like to do is to really show the importance of data. And then also just for individuals who are listening or watching us, to be able to say, okay, this is how we can we can use this in practice for our own for our own sake and for our own community. Awesome, thank you. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Kelly. Yeah, so um, I guess for the whole entire podcast of what I really am interested in putting out is just making sure that data is transparent and people know how to go about finding data, asking their politicians for data. Um, And just knowing that the research is out there, people are out here doing the research, there are studies that are being conducted and making that more accessible. Um, And I think, like I had uh, mentioned in our last meeting, sometimes when these researchers are doing research, sometimes it's not as um, a lot of citizens are unable to read the work or understand what's kind of um, being presented. And so making sure that people understand what's being done and kind of making the studies in sociology and criminology more applicable to people that are able to better understand um, what the data is saying. Um, so yeah, so just making sure data is more transparent and people are knowledgeable about how to go about finding it and um, making sure that people know that you have a right to ask for where the budget's going, what is being spent on. Um, it's public safety. And I think be, uh, it just needs to be more transparent. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that one of the other things too is, is uh, I think we, we keep, I think all of us keep referring to the last one. It's also being able to make sure people understand it. Because mm-hmm. even I, you know, in the police department, we had a guy that was crunching numbers. I mean, he was he's, he's still there and really, really good. And I was he brings stuff to me. He was like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so and he, he kind of like, well, this is what it's saying. Oh, OK. And now when he said that, then I then I was able to go, OK, well, this is how we can work with that to have an impact on either to reduce it, increase it, whatever we needed to do to do whatever with the data. So the fact that we've got to make, we want to help you figure out how to ask and how to interpret that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so cool. So that's what we hope we will be able to do for you. So finesse you, let's talk about the voice down in Mississippi and this Missouri thing with the, uh, this outreach of, uh, uh, also, before we get into that voting, we, we definitely all three of us like black votes. You need to vote. We're not telling you who to vote for, but you need to vote for persons who who you feel like speak your voice and you need to pay it. We what we're finding out, you need to pay attention. Things are happening and people are not paying attention. And we understand that people have to work, but we really need to start paying attention. And the black folks have to do that. So a couple of things are going on that we wanted to bring up that it was related to law enforcement, but how it's going about and for us kind of get us started on that. 
Sure. So, you know, I can't, I can't help myself but get a little bit more deeper into history. First of all, I love history. Absolutely love history. I wanted to go to school for it for the longest time. And then I was like, well, that's not going to do anything if I'm not doing it, like making any changes now. So why study something that's already happened? Um, <laughs> just to let everyone know, one thing that I was shocked about was how much the federal government really stepped in to help Black Americans vote. I had no idea. You know, and this started with Lyndon B. Johnson, you know, passing the uh, Voting Rights Act. This was in 1965, okay? And he even made it to where he had flagged certain Southern states and said, okay, you have a history of being, what's to say, racist, discriminatory. So we can even make sure that if you plan on changing, and this, this will come full circle, everyone, if you plan on changing anything about your voting, I don't care if it's your rights, redistricting, I don't care what it is, you have to have preclearance. You have to come to the federal government for us to say it's okay, because we know what you guys are up to and you still don't want black people to vote. And this has been, you know, set in stone for years and years and years. So, you know, what you started to see back in the 1980s, up to 2000s, you started to see more African-Americans being represented within our systems. And so you saw a lot of improvement within our communities, a lot of growth, which had tangible effects, right? So a lot of growth when it came to work, when it came to, you know, um, just economic opportunities, which was wonderful. And then you fast forward to 2012, thinking about Obama, it was, you know, it was a historic for us. That was the, the most uh, that we've seen Black individuals vote when it came to reelecting Obama. Here is the problem. And this is where Mississippi was able to steadily start making changes to where they are today. Right after 2012, Congress came back and said, well, you know, everything's doing pretty well. So now we're gonna take a provision away, okay? This provision that was taken away was monitoring the Southern state to have to go back to the federal government to make sure that the, they, what they were doing wasn't discriminatory against black voters. So once that went away, right overnight, that's when 19 states, five of them, which were still under pre-clearance because they were that bad still, <laughs> like, we still don't trust you, <laughs> that changed their voting rights and regulations right away. And it led to more voter suppression overnight, Mississippi being a major one of those. So when you think about stringent ID requirements, you know, felon dis disenfranchisement, closing of polling places, all of that pops up right overnight. And when you think about a state, you're going to think about, you know, all the southern places as well as Mississippi. But another example would be Alabama. As we know, Alabama has a very strong black population. So, you know, right before the 2022 election, it was like around 2020, Within Atlanta and the suburbs, they went to having 107 voting drop boxes to 25. 25 drop boxes. So they're making it very inconvenient for Black people to be able to vote. And I found that to be so interesting. And then also a double whammy when it came to removing that provision was that there was a conservative uh, minority who took away the last possible tools for the Department of Justice to really challenge state regulations when it comes to voting based off of race and age. So they've taken all of 
that from us because the federal government was actually looking out for marginalized groups when it come, came to voting. But right after President Obama, all of that was taken away. And now here we are in 2023 and looking at states such as Mississippi and St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. <laughs> Mind blown, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here going. I'm all the way back at the first thing. It's like, so when, when did it happen? They took the, when did the federal folks take away the provision? I mean, the oversight, so to speak. When, when, when did it, who did? I mean, what? That, who, was, that was. Yeah, when did it happen? It was in 2013. <laughs> it was, it was in 2013, and it was a case that it happened with. I think it was like Colorado versus Shelby. Because that's when states started to say, wait a minute now, because back in the day, the preclearance, they set that up because they openly knew they were being mm-hmm. discriminatory, right? You saw over the TV, it was open that they were racist, but now, no, 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 it's not that way anymore. So what are you, what are you judging us on? How can you potentially say that we still have to have these clearances? So what are you, what, what is the new judgment on? Mm-hmm. And they couldn't provide any way to measure them. And so then it became an, a, a, them treading upon states' rights. And so they had to get rid of the provision. Wow. Wow. Didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that it happened. <laughs> Kelly, did you know? I didn't know that. I did not either. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such yeah. a big deal because the, the federal government, if they have done one thing, like really solid for mm-hmm. black Americans, it would be voting. And that's yeah. why this has been such an ongoing issue. And they've been able to sustain such strict voter suppression laws is because the federal government can't do anything about it. Wow. They can't do anything about it. Wow. Right. So inner Mississippi now, <laughs> where they're just like, oh yeah, you know, don't worry about it. You know, you can no longer elect your, you know, judicial um, you know, um, yeah. individuals, your court, yeah, your, yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. They, it, there is no federal law that can dictate them doing so. Okay. There's no protection for, and mm-hmm. you know, Jackson's 83% black. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'm just, you know. I just want you guys to think about that. No. Yeah, it's, yeah. Had no idea. Had no idea. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of lost for words. Mm-mm. That's amazing. It, <laughs> they, they do it right underneath your nose. They really do. Because, you know, I'm thinking, you know, how is that legal? How, how is that actually legal? And it, that, that passed quite a few years ago. And that's how it just, continue, it just continues to, to go. And so, the things, can, so the thing, things that are happening in, in Mississippi, Jackson, Jackson, mm-hmm. Mississippi, and then the Missouri where they're expanding um, the police Thing that's what kind of caught my eye. They're they're enlarging mm-hmm. the jurisdictions of, of policing because they're saying that these particular communities are just really violent. Mm-hmm. Crime has gotten out of, out of out of hand, and the thing that that kind of reason I want to talk I me mean, obviously want to talk about mm-hmm. that, part, but the other part is that they use the terminology want to be hard hard on crime. Hard on crime, yeah. Right? And, and so my thing is that's not going to work. Because if you're not, you know, why don't you be hard on intervention and prevention? That's going to reduce your crime. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Kelly. Go ahead, Kelly. And I think that too, um, 
When you mentioned hard on crime, like you said, it's not really looking at the root causes of crime. Mississippi is a poor state in general. Um, and so typically what you see is poverty and crime are associated. And so when you have people that are suffering, um, whether that's food instability, um, job insecurity, and all of those things, um, of course, their crime is going to spike up. But if you're not even looking at what the root cause of why you see a high spike in crime, if there is or isn't, um, then you're not really going to make any changes by bringing in more police enforcement, you know? Well, yeah. Yep. That's you know, and that's why data is important. You just said, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> you said being proactive. Now, mm -hmm. okay, now here we go. Now, the legislation says that they are going to expand the territory for Capitol Police. Okay. We already know that there's not enough officers within the local department, which is why they're making this case based on bringing in the Capitol Police. Mm -hmm. We know that's a horrible idea because these officers are, you know, outside of the black community. So we know that this is not going to go well. But I want to bring to your attention something that I was reading about, about uh, Chief Lucky here with the Capitol Police. He says that the reason why the Capitol Police have the respect Okay, and the trust from the businesses and also the capital residents, predominantly white, is that they have proactive policing, okay? And the example that he pulls, the example that he actually pulls is that since September 2022, the officers have had a significant boost in overall citation, traffic citations given in the city, over 3,000 traffic citations. Do you not know in that same month, Jalen Lewis, a black man, was killed during a traffic stop. This chief had the audacity in the same breath. I don't know who where the PR is, in the same breath knows that traffic traffic stops, we all know this, are the most deadly incidents between officers mm -hmm. and civilians. We already know that, well, it's, I've read a lot that, you know, the relationship between Black communities in Jackson and Capitol Police are strained. And then you're going to boast about giving out more citations, thus increasing interactions between civilians and deadly force. And then the Mississippi Bureau investigation has an open case right now on the department. And you're going to say, well, we have yeah, to just keep on giving out traffic citations. Like, and I, I think... <laughs> And that's the thing <laughs> where it's like it's traffic citations. So when people think of, oh, there's a high tech in crime, what exactly type of what crimes are we talking about? Are we talking about traffic stops? Are we talking about um, stops that don't require non-lethal force? Like we need more data to understand what exactly you're talking about. Um, what type of stops are there? And like, why are we, you know, you know, what I'm trying to say, like, it's just not it's not. Right. Like what exactly what what is what is the need for hard on crime and what does that look like? So. You know, and you bring up a good point, Kelly, too, because why does he reference a data point like traffic citations <laughs> when the reason why that Jackson is in the media as it is is because of homicide? Yeah. You know, pulling somebody over for a traffic citation and homicides are two different things, completely <laughs> different things. So and, you know, also Mississippi is an open carry state. So here you have, mm. you wonder why, it's like a perfect storm of all these root causes, Kelly, when you mentioned earlier 
about, you know, po- poverty and the lack of, you know, econ- economic opportunities and jobs. Mm-hmm. And then you have an open state, an open carry state, which the mayor at the time tried to reverse, but that was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about a data point that has nothing to do with homicide. And we yeah. still, but then again, what's the data that shows us as to why? I mean, all yeah. of these sources are coming out. No one's talking about anything else. You know, what's funny too is that on top of these root causes, you know, they're having water shortages and trash pickup is always late. They're getting road repairs. It's like, you know, people have guns out here and they're frustrated and they're tired. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to throw more police out there. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> the math isn't mathing. Yeah. The math is not mathing. It doesn't really make sense to me. And the governor, I haven't even heard him talk about any other community resources or anything else that's happening. I. Right. Yeah. So I think from you're right. I think somebody said, one of you said that, you know, what what kind of crimes are there? Let, let's look at the look, let's look at the data, then find out from a law enforcement perspective what what do you need to be concentrating on? Mm-hmm. And the, and the, that's what the community mm-hmm. is asking is like what kind of crimes are going on? What are these vehicle stops being made for? Uh, what kind of charges are they? Uh, you have a right to ask it if they're if you're pulling me over for a taillight a regulatory. Mm-hmm violation, then, you know, mm-hmm. most cities now, especially progressive ones, I think I've mentioned this before, most progressive police departments are saying for regulatory stuff, not so much. We don't, we're not that concerned about it. Because if you can't fix your taillight out, you certainly can't handle this $200 ticket I'm getting ready to give you to go to court for you to miss a day in, mm-hmm. at work. And then, you know, you're going to get fired from your job because you had to go to, you know, all, all of that. And those are things that community members can inquire about and, and, you know, what, what are these numbers that you're stopping people? What are you charging them for? Why are you stopping them? And how is it impacting our homicide rates, our robbery rates and those types of things? And then also, you know, one of the things that we would do occasionally is some of my staff would, would arrest some. And I said, give, can you give me the story? Mm-hmm. So we had a guy that was breaking in up and down Chapel Hill Boulevard here. It's, it's a main third, it's a main drag. He was beating us to death. And, and breaking in mm-hmm. stuff, and I was like, "Can you can you kind of tell me what's going on with him? I mean, just ask him why is he doing it." And it turned out he came from another city and happened to smoke some pot with some friends, and they laced his pot with some crack cocaine. So he was a crackhead doing stuff. So his history was he was a substance abuser, you know, or and and that's mm-hmm. a difference. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's a story. And then there's a story where a guy, young man, goes out and kills or shoots a guy, right? But the backstory is. The man used to live with his mama when he was with him and he finally broke up. And when he caught him outside because he'd been beating on his mama, he shot him. But all we got is a violent crime. Right. And our numbers are going up. We don't know that mm-hmm. backstory. I'm not saying the kid should have shot the man, but we need to understand where he was coming from as to why he shot it. Because you got the house, you've been beating on my mama. So here you go. Again, not condoning that, but we need community members need to just not look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. And let's find out some of this backstory. And then so what do we need to do for this child? Mm-hmm. that was in this space, that mm-hmm. was in this home where there was abuse. And the only way he knew how to handle it was catch the man outside of him being known as mama. So he shot him. Luckily, he didn't mm-hmm. kill him. But now he got a charge on it. 
And so we got to have those conversations, right? Go ahead. Sorry. And that just goes back to um, systemic failures that we talk about in the education system, um, resources for mental health and resources for, like I said, food insecurity, um, resources for people in transition, you know? And so it's like, we're looking at all the data and all the points and all the crime and stuff, but at the end of the day, like they're real humans. Um, and so there's always a reason for why somebody did something that you can always look back. And I think it makes it more humanistic when you're able to really sit down and people share their stories. But also when you're in a police interaction, you just don't have time for that. Um, but like, like I said, I think there needs to be another avenue that alleviates that from the police's responsibility um, and then possibly puts in another person, maybe person on, on, team, on the team that provides those ser services when they're in that interaction to kind of mediate between that. So I think it's very important that stories are being told. Yeah. And just a little bit of pushback. I honestly mm -hmm. believe law enforcement can do that because they're on mm -hmm. the ground. And I think, mm -hmm. if they, and I'm not saying they need to ask every bad guy or person they arrest, yeah. but I think, you know, the community, I, I, that's kind of something mm -hmm. I, I wanted I, to, so I could articulate yeah. the community. And so I could say, look, it's a little deeper than just a number of violence, yeah. you know? And, and so mm -hmm. these are, these are the things that we got to figure out how to address. And mm -hmm. then so, but for me, what that also does, if, if, if law enforcement would think about that, it also mm -hmm. gets to sticking out me as law enforcement. Yeah. Because th that's an issue I can't I can't deal with. I can't deal with because I'm not in a house with this young man and his mother mm -hmm. beating him. But mm -hmm. I'm letting you know, these are the issues that yeah. are driving some of these crimes, so which mm -hmm. means then how do we do this holistically for the community to yeah. address these issues? How do we let this child know mm -hmm. it's OK to go to school and tell somebody somebody's beating your mom? Yeah. You know, how do we make mm -hmm. that space safe for yeah. or not? Because he ain't the only one that's happening to mm -hmm. him, but because we know that's happening. So how is we a law enforcement say, look, y'all, can can y'all help these kids by saying, you know, yeah. I know your mama might be getting beat. So it's safe mm -hmm. to tell us. And yeah, then have the resources that are needed. So, yeah. And, yeah. I think for me. Yeah, I, and I think, yeah. And I, I agree. I just think that, too, also um, having law enforcement have um, the ability to do referral services. Um yeah. You know, because it's just I, I just think that a lot of law enforcement um, what from what I've seen in my interactions, especially with the population that I work with, um, they just aren't knowledgeable about the resources out in the community. It's kind of word of mouth. So if those were more readily available to officers um, to be able to be like, oh, this person is suffering from mental health issues. How can I alleviate the issue, make sure that person's safe? do what I need to do and then have the space to then just refer that person out and do follow-ups, you know, and make sure that person is going to those services, you know? So I think if officers... I'm going to let Fennel, but I got to talk about that just okay. because yeah. I totally agree that a lot of officers do that. The issue mm -hmm. is that as a police officer, and I know this, and this is talking about bad yeah. day, right? We call the services and like, we ain't got no more room. Mm, yes, <laughs> I do agree that that happens. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no, that that happens a yeah. lot. You know, so you get what you get is a frustration from law enforcement. Like, yeah, yeah I call a social worker, but she got 60 cases. She can't take no yeah. more. You know, mm -hmm. so that's it, it's that's what I'm saying. We got to talk bigger it, than just. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not just those two organizations. It's yeah, gotta be yeah, we got to figure out how to make the resources that police mm -hmm. officers trust me. They want to send them. But yeah. around, it's like cool. ain't got no room, ain't got no beds. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. community so you gotta step step instead of defunding us why don't you fund these other resources mm -hmm. we want to send somebody there 
all yes. the you know, yeah. seriously, okay, Vanessa, your turn. <laughs> no, 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 because I, I did not interrupt because I was on a roll and was thinking I was thinking the exact same thing. But here, okay, now <laughs> let's take this step further. We take all what you just said and apply that to Jackson, Mississippi. Because I mean, I research and I research and I research, and I'm not seeing where they're doing anything progressive of that nature. Like you've heard about that in other parts mm-hmm. of the nation. I have not seen anything relating to any of that when it comes to their officers and what they're doing in Jackson, Mississippi. Okay. So then to me, this goes back to a practical question of if the communities don't have leadership who are already there progress- progressively, right? They're not, they're not providing those resources. They're not, you know, you know, mm-hmm. falling in step with others who are, you know, looking for other solutions and doing all of the right things. Just like you all just said, what can be done? So what is, so how can a, a community member get this ball rolling or, you know, who, like what, how is this a problem like who who does it fall onto? Whose feet does it fall onto? So to me, I guess like you know, because you sent an article about St. Louis, right, and looking at their policing going from state back to local, and now that they're you know complaining, well, crime hasn't gotten any better, so we need to go back to you know it being state controlled. And it wasn't until the University of Missouri stepped in and said, well, wait a minute now. Once we look at the data, again, the data, there has been no difference. There, there, nothing has changed at all. The, the you know, arrests or crimes haven't gone down or up, whether it's in local or state. So then it brings into another question of, well, obviously there's something else going on here that we haven't thought about. Though it's not just the police, there's other root causes we should be looking at. So what should we do? The thing I like about this is that there was another entity that stepped in to help. Because again, you can't always just expect for your local government to be as progressive as they should be. So I think that, and I know that we talked about that last time, you know, different ways of the communities to reach out to different resources whenever you can't count on your own local government to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's you. Uh, yeah, that's that's the universities. Yeah, mm-hmm. getting involved. I mean, right yeah, now. yeah. Bring, bring them in because, and I think we might have touched on it before because that's the other thing with law enforcement um, is that for some reason they don't want to bring academia in, and so maybe the community needs to start going to their. I mean, you got interns and all that kind of stuff, and going. Can you kind of look at these stuff and kind of help us out with that? I mean, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You guys know better than I. I mean, there's plenty of students that could write something and just do the research and crunch the numbers for local communities. They could use mm-hmm. that as a resource. That's perfect. I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Who 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 could do that? I mean, somebody in the community has to be able to do that. But even though the voting is being oppressed, I, I guess for me, being a boomer is like we just got to figure out. Okay, so you're making it difficult. We just gonna have to play along. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to get a couple of sandwiches. And staying in this line, if that's what we got to do, <laughs> you know. I mean, remember the, chicken, the, greasy, the greasy chicken bags, you know, greasy chicken bags standing in the line. I mean, this this is probably where we at again. I mean, we're really gonna have to do that because it's it, people. You got to pay attention. Stuff's happening. Yeah. And and yeah. even though things are being made difficult to vote. The mm-hmm. thing is, you can still vote. Yeah. 
that that I mean, yeah, it's a little difficult, y'all, but y'all can still vote. And so we need to pay attention to that. But yeah, I really like what you just said about bringing that other entity and, and figuring out how to do that because it's it's the vote. It's it's the vote. It's the vote. <laughs> it's the vote. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to the it's absolutely the vote. Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to also thinking about like, like we had kind of discussed was the questions, what people need to be asking for before they cast their vote. Um, and kind of like you had mentioned where it's um, not knowing the questions to ask your politicians prior to voting so that you know that you're voting for the person that best fits what your needs are. So like um, what I kind of have written down is talking about the budget. How does this person plan on spending the budget? Where's the budget going to? Is it going to public safety? And what does public safety mean to you as a, as a person that is running for office and wanting my vote? You know, and I think just attending these community meetings where they're talking about and just being more knowledgeable about your local government and what that looks like and how people are being elected. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think also, too, I think that's really good. I think would also put into the space that for those who are out here trying to make ends meet, they're running around mm-hmm. doing like five jobs because they got to keep the mm-hmm. lights on for the kids. Find that individual in the community that you trust, because there's always mm-hmm. someone there's always that informal mm-hmm. leader. Right. Yeah. And on every block, there's an informal mm-hmm. and find that informal yeah. leader because they're going to be yeah. connected and find out they're going to know. They're going to know. They're going to know who mm-hmm. you need to vote for. They're going to know what's going on and, and and find that person. If you're not able to do that, at least find out. But go vote. Do what yeah. you got to do. But at least go ask that informal leader in the community. Go who you voting for. The one you yeah. trust. And then if you decide that that's the one, because we got to yeah. understand and, and, and you know, all, and let people know we get you can't come to these meetings. Yeah. Oh, you can't come to these meetings because you mm-hmm. you try to keep your head above water. Uh, but find mm-hmm. an informal leader that is on every block, every mm-hmm. community who will know and is connected to something that will help you guide you as to mm-hmm. that part. And also kind of um, mm-hmm. if you have the time to look at people's platforms, just knowing who um who is running and most people will put what they're um, what they agree with and what they don't agree with and what they're running for and what they're um, they can't what what it would look like if they would have won or won your vote. I'm um, just going on the website and kind of looking through quickly. Most people do it in bullet points and having um, if you have the time to do that, I think it's really important before you go cast your vote. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So anything. What else we got? What, what else were we going to talk about? <laughs> Go ahead. You, I think that well, let me say one last thing to Kelly's point. You know, not only are the younger generations like taking a hold on what like, look what happened in Tennessee. They were like, uh, excuse me, what? And they go, you know, <laughs> protest. It's just like we have things to say. And they were back yeah. in there like the next day. It was just like, no, I don't think so. So I think it's also time for us to take a stand and be leaders for others as well, you know, and just get that word out there yeah. and be, you know, just keep yourself. Yeah. Just make sure that you're, you know, keeping yourself in check and also keeping others in check too. You know, mm-hmm. that's the only way that this is going to work because they do, they will pass legislation fast and quick, mm-hmm. you know, without anyone knowing about it. And then mm-hmm. before you know it, you know, the repercussions of that, we see it. I mean, I, yeah. I hate to say it, but in Mississippi, there's no telling what's going to happen once the Capitol police get more involved. Um, I am not impressed whatsoever for what I've seen from that entity. Um, I feel very strongly about that. So I don't see myself going back on that anytime soon, even if I watch this five years from now. 
<laughs> I will say that it's very, it's very important <laughs> that you stay abreast of that information to listen to what Kelly said, but then also, and also don't be afraid to be a leader. You know, I know it's, it's difficult. It is, you know, mm-hmm. but do, do what's right. Do what's right for you and for your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so what else we got to talk about real quick? Anything that we were going to hit on? I think I was going to, uh, I was going to talk a little about Jalen Walker and because uh, the grand jury did not convict the the officers. I know people were like, uh, it was legally justified and, and I want to really get too far down in that, but this kind of goes back to some of the things that I, he, he will stop for a taillight out on his car. And kind of the reason I really talk about some of this stuff and, and black bodies are dying. I think I've mentioned before, they're dying for misdemeanors and vehicle regulatory stuff. They're not dying for killing people like mass shooters. And uh, just, just as when we stop you, we're stopping you for the taillight. And again, if you're driving away from us, it makes us think you've done something bigger than that. So I, I'm not, you don't necessarily have to, you don't have to agree with the outcome of that, but it's, it's legally justified. Okay. Which means that's the law. Uh, that's the, the officers. He shot based on the report, based on what's in the press, he shot a gun outside the window. So of course they thought that, and you had eight officers who all thought he had a gun and they all fired over 50 rounds into this man's in somewhere near his body. Um, they also were trying, or there were implications that he had lost his girlfriend within the last 60 days or something, and he was distraught about the death of his girlfriend. And they can't find anything to do with it, but they were, they were wondering if he was trying to commit suicide by cop, but there's no, they can't determine that, but there's nothing that says that that was anything, they can't prove that. That was just because he was distraught, they were kind of thinking that, and then the shooting out the window with the gun that was in the car and not on him when he did that. And we've talked about this before, that the number one resistance is the failure to comply with verbal commands, verbal commands. Uh, And just understand, folks, that if you got a gun, I'm not going to talk to you like I'm your auntie. I'm going to be telling you to put that gun down and it ain't sometimes stuff come out of my mouth ain't going to be real pretty because I need you to put the gun down. So what we found out is that the number one resistance to law enforcement is simply not following verbal command. Um, And then they're being stopped and dying for vehicle stuff. Just kind of think about that. They're dying for vehicle movement, mechanical stuff wrong with cars, just think about that. So that's kind of my little soapbox on that. I don't know what else. It's a little soapbox, you know, because it keeps happening over and over and over and over again. Yeah, it does. And it's, it's you know, you would think that it would, it would be, you know, kind of tether off, but it, it hasn't. It hasn't. I mean, I just mentioned one earlier with Mississippi. It's, and I, I just don't know what else we can do to get through to those who are driving, but then also to officers as well, you know? Yeah. At some point, something needs to change. Yeah. 
Yeah, on on both ends of the of the spectrum, you know, on both yeah. ends. But on on for me on this end, um, you know, I'm I'm about what what you can do as an individual to lessen that, because it's always going to be about the officer having some fear, and you you can't you can't navigate that, and that's the one with the power, and that they have the local, state, and federal folks behind them. And that's and all you have to do or even an inkling of being resistance based on the laws of this country. Most juries are going to lean toward the law enforcement officer. You may not like it, but there is even a hint of you resisting more often than not. They're going to get off with that. You know, and again, not to say that they aren't they weren't fearful, because I again, I think I mentioned before, I, I, I know what fear feels like. So I get it. Uh, so, does either one of you have any experience with um, being pulled over? Um, yeah, but I, I feel like my situation was definitely different, um, definitely because of um, just the, it was it was yeah, not necessarily the same experience. <laughs> as the, yeah, um, it was yeah. okay. Okay, she kept, look, she kind of dancing all around that question. She like, nah, my little different. <laughs> I have actually. I have. Um, <laughs> I've I've only had one experience where I was actually like, "Wow, that could have ended differently." It was about twelve thirty, I think, or later later in the evening. Was when I was leaving. Excuse me, living right outside of BC. Um, I was further out now, but I, at the time, I was driving a Mercedes, blacked out windows. You know, I was in an affluent area, which may I just say, I was paying my rent where I lived because <laughs> I, I had a good job and still do. Right? And so my, my music wasn't loud. I, I had just seen some friends in D.C., you know, and I was about to, you know, pull in. I had, I think I had, I wasn't speeding or anything. Um, I was at a light and I was going to make a right. And, but the, the light was red. And, I mean, there was no one on the street. And so, you know, I stopped, I looked, no one's coming. And so I made a right. And, you know, the officer pulls me over right before I'm about to pull into the parking garage. And um, he goes over to my right side and he says, you know, I pulled you over. And uh, I said, no, actually, no, I don't. And he said, well, you know, you, um, you was an incomplete stop at that red light. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> he goes, all right, well, can I tell you life of registration? And I was like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever, sure. So I give it to him. And then he goes, I need your registration. And I said, well, it's in my car. Can I, can I get it? He goes, yeah. And so I, I lean over. But when I go to lean over my, in my parking to get my, at my glove department, he goes for his gun. And I was like, whoa, 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 oh. whoa, whoa. <laughs> I was like, mm. I need, I was like, my registration's right there. I, I live right here. Because he also said, well, do you live around here? And I was like, yes, I live right there i was right there okay. <laughs> i pay my taxes <laughs> okay like don't try to shoot me okay but it was it was really uncomfortable because it was very clear given you know being a black woman and my murdered out i'm just gonna say it mercedes in a fluent area you know um yeah. sitting near king street you know in alexandria in the dc area and so, you know, they're just like, what are you doing here? And it's like, I live here. <laughs> Trying to get home. And that's happened to me. But other than that, like, 
Yeah, I've been pulled over because I, I speak a little bit, whatever. Um, but <laughs> it's always been fine. It's yeah. always been fine. But that one time was a bit, a little bit on edge for me because I was, you know, because again, like BJ said, they don't know that I'm a, I'm a decent person just trying to get home or that I haven't been drinking. I don't have a weapon in, you know, the car that I don't belong, you know, in that area. They don't mm-hmm. know anything about me. It's just that I didn't come make a complete stop at the red light it was a rolling stop or whatever so your story has me thinking about um a class that i've taken uh, recently and just um it was actually a concealed carry class and i think it's really important for people to have that information um just in general um because it wasn't just teaching about gun safety it was also teaching about how police do how to interact with police um and so um my instructor had said that um, basically, he was like, and your uh, officer may ask for you to hand him over your gun if you do have your concealed carry. And he told us exactly what to say in that instance if an officer is handing over, is asking you to hand over your gun and just to make sure that you're saying, hey, I don't feel comfortable. I know you don't feel comfortable. And so I think it's just really important for people to have that understanding of exactly kind of what BJ does, of understanding of how those interactions can go. So even if an officer may ask you to reach over to grab this, maybe that's not the best option to choose to do, even if they've asked you to do it, you know, just making that Mm -hmm. officer aware, I don't feel comfortable with that. You know, would you feel better if I stepped out the car and you Mm -hmm. grabbed it? Or you know, just um, keeping in mind that um, being hyper aware of the situation and understanding that even though the officer is a fearful, he may ask for this piece of document and it might not be in a safe place for you to grab it and hand it over to him and just being more vocal about that yeah. and persistent. That's a good point. I mean, I was yeah. I was definitely young when that happened. So I, it, all of mm-hmm. this wasn't like brought to like the limelight with yeah. what's going on right now. But I know like, just putting a little plug in for myself. Another mm-hmm. one besides my, besides my <laughs> new startup company. But when I did the whole traffic uh, stop, the traffic citation stop being the most dangerous for the ABC News, um, yeah. I thought about UBJ too, because I was like, why are we not talking about this more whenever people are getting their permits mm-hmm. and their licenses? And so I think it would be great, a great mm-hmm. plug for you, BJ, obviously you and 5 to like just do like small snippets for classes, like, DL classes that come in and just talk to them about just like how to have that rapport with officers and, you know, how important it is to remain compliant. So that's just an Mm -hmm. idea for you just to kind of like, you know, be a little bit more exposure and also be doing some more good when it comes to newer drivers. Yeah. And to your point on that point, I think that too, when I remember taking driver's ed, we didn't talk about safety. Um, even right, though, no, in, no, you know, and I had a pretty mixed school. I think we were pretty like um, mixed in terms of um, different ethnicities, races, and everything. Um, but that just wasn't part of the conversation. You know, it's kind of you get your license, you're ready to go on the road, don't hit anything. Yeah. Um, but part of it is also <laughs> being safe. That safety is not just making sure you're not hitting anything and go your left or your right. Um, safety is also making right. sure that you know how to interact with <laughs> a police stop. And I think we leave it up to parents, but I think parents also need support in those conversations, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks for the finesse. Actually, uh, my, uh, Abby, my PR person is thinking about making, trying to figure out a connection with um, driver's ed. So we may be mm-hmm. uh, doing something with that. So we'll, we'll see. So, uh, so we get ready Perfect. to wrap. This is our inaugural uh, thing for your questions mm-hmm. and your power. And just to, 
you know, we spent a lot of time on the end talking about law enforcement because I brought up this other thing, but I just want to make sure folks know that we're going to try to um, uh, talk to you about what to ask, you know, of your leadership. I think we've talked about that. Uh, pay attention to what's going on in Jackson, Mississippi and Missouri and those types of things. And we, we, the voting piece is something, obviously, as you can tell, we're all we're definitely very passionate <laughs> about that because uh, uh, our ancestors and our folks kind of marched and died for that. So that's uh, my parents are 92 and 93. And, you know, I, I, when I go vote, I say I voted early, like, nope, <laughs> on the day that we're supposed to vote. <laughs> I mean, that's just where that that generation is. It's just that important that that's. They would, that was the day that they were supposed to go vote. So we need to kind of take pride in that again as to we have this voting thing, even though it may be a little difficult and things are being put in place to, to slow your roll, but don't let that don't don't let that hinder you because it the, the power is in in that. The power is in the vote, folks. The power is in the vote. Uh, and you got to really believe that. You, you have to believe that. You can tell that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Kelly, any last mm -hmm. parting words? Um, just to your point, um, as we can kind of see what's happening recently, um, that your your vote does matter. And so we're starting to see policies being changed, um, things that we thought would stay the same um, that we've already hashed out. So just um, go out and vote and make sure that you're aware of what's going on in your community and making um, good decisions. Cool. Vanessa, and well, Vanessa, when you... Repeat the name of your company, too, please. Sure. It's CJ Solutions is the name of the company. Very, very proud. Um, but if anything, the last thing that I'll, I'll leave for those who are listening is that remember that the Black American population is larger than the entire population of Canada. Just think about that. Just think about wow. that and just how much power we actually have and how much change we can bring about. So just always remember that. Wow. Wow, that is pretty impressive. I didn't know that because uh, it's about the data. I firmly believe it's about the data. And that's why we want to have this, these conversations periodically to help you ask the right questions uh, of your community and your law enforcement uh, folks to get the kind of the, uh, to get the kind of service that you want. Uh, in your community by law enforcement and asking the right questions. And I'm going to go back to what Finesse said in the beginning about the, well, the Jackson, Mississippi uh, with a, with a bunch of stops, you know, what do those stops look like? You know, what types are stops of those as it relates to the violent crime that your that the leaders in that community are saying are just violent crime is, you know, off the chain. So what is that violent crime? How does it relate to vehicle stops? So those are the questions that, you should be asking so you can make sure that those elected officials are doing what you need to do. And then if it is, if whatever that's being stopped, uh, then those resources need to be available. If if stopping vehicles means your crime is going to reduce, then what is it that resources you need to do so the persons aren't committing a crime that are in the vehicles? All this stuff is tied to that. So what we hope is to be able to give you some questions, uh, which will also give you the power to do what you need to do in your community. So thanks again to Kelly and Finesse for, for, for saying yes to this um, <laughs> inaugural uh, 
your question is your power and also for wanting to be a part of this. And we will keep you posted. You'll see uh, we'll be doing this sporadically because both all three of us kind of work. Well, I'm retired. The two of them work. <laughs> I, I, I don't still so have to manage it in their time. And I, and again, just so you know, Vanessa and Kelly, I really appreciate your willingness to, to do this with me. It means a lot. Uh, and I like the energy that we have when we do this. So thank you for all that. <laughs> So thank you for those of you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you to those of you that are. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, folks. For those of you that joined us the first time, hope you'll be back. Um, thank you to those that are listening to us often, and we appreciate that. Uh, also, make sure you visit our website at un5-o.com or our YouTube channel. Uh, and also take a look at our 28-minute film, hashtag H-U-E-M-A-N-S, Humans, A Guide to Get Home. It's about 28 minutes, uh, and it will give you all the information that you can need to survive the interaction uh, for uh, interacting with law enforcement. So as always, stay well, stay safe, peace. <laughs>